0: Hi, welcome to the first ever episode of Podcastles. You are listening to me, I am Nikita, hi, and my sister. Hello, I'm Georgia. And together we're going to be telling you all about the history of England through castles.
1: So we decided we needed a reason uh, to continue to talk about history. We both did history at uni and we're going to go through each castle, one by one. We're going to sort of spend like a month roughly on each county and in that little section, we will look at big castles, the main castles with tons of history, might have their own episode. Then we're going to have um, some that might have loads of castles shoved together. um, And then at the end of each month, at the end of each county, we're going to have an episode on themes that have really come out during that county History, but it's uh, so the
0: ones where they grouped together. Are just gonna be the the smaller castles in each county.
1: So before we get to it, we should probably talk about the structure of individual episodes as well. Episodes that focus on one castle, what's the structure going to be like?
0: Well, I think it's this episodes that we're going to do for all castles, right? So it's going to yeah. be, we're going to talk about the chronology first. We're going to go through everything, not literally everything, obviously, but um, the key points. Very in rough
1: overview. Rough,
0: <laughs> rough overview, disclaimer, of uh, the history of that castle. Then we will go on to my personal favourite section, which is the uh, ghosts and skeletons. It hiding- of Tons of gossip. All the tea, and then we're going to uh, look at how influential those castles were, and the and people how, in them.
1: Yeah, how influential the nobles were that lived in
0: them. Um, you know whether we think they were particularly important. Um, and then we're going to wrap up by telling you how um how you can visit, how you can visit, and because you should go.
1: Should we jump straight in? What is the first county that we're doing? We Nick? are
0: doing Warwickshire.
1: We are indeed, and
0: Georgia's ultimate favorite second favourite castle, second favourite favourite castle, which is? Warwick Castle. So we thought we'd start with the chronology. Um, Given that you were there for three years, Georgia, do you want to go ahead and tell us all about Warwick Castle?
1: Absolutely. So technically, Alfred the Great's daughter, Ethel I think we're going with? Whatever you want. She's not coming for you. She's not coming. She can't tell us off, can she? Um, She instigated the fortifications in Warwick. She created it to defend Mercia from the Danes. And the position was absolutely strategic. It allowed for the domination of the Roman road, the, uh, the Foss Way. And that linked Exeter to Leicester. And it went through loads of major cities. And it was also on the River Avon. Um, The Mott is named after but it didn't actually come until later. But despite that, many people start the story of Warwick Castle with William the Conqueror because he's considered the architect, which I think is quite cool. He designed the entire Mott and Bailey, like the wooden design, obviously later got replaced by stone. But also the date for this is 1068. The Battle of Hastings, when he came and took over England, that was 1066. And he basically clearly was really quick off the mark after that and just ran around England picking the best spots, throwing up tons of castles. Before then, England didn't really have a ton of castles. Maybe that's why we lost. But but what did they visit? I know. What did they do in their spare time? Did they not go to English heritage sites? Crazy. Um, So we know from one of the chronicles of the time... I've now got to pronounce it. Umdericus Vitalis. We know that William raised castles in Warwick, York, Lincoln, Cambridge and Huttingdon around very similar times. So this is when we start to see castles really go up in England. This is when we start to see like feudal organisation. So he comes across whatever like dwelling was at Warwick from Aethelflaedder and turns it into a and bailey. So once he designed it, and
0: uh, sort of built everything around it, what what does he do? What does he do with it? Does he keep it? Does he does he give it away? Does he, why has he built it
1: there? So William quite quickly, well actually within the 20, 20 years, appoints someone to be the constable, which is quite common back then, Henry de Beaumont. And I thought the best way to go through the history of Warwick Castle really is to look at each main family. There are a few key families throughout the whole period that own it. And they keep it for the king, or sometimes it is in the royal family, and then go through like the developments architecturally of the castle alongside those families. So, as I say, William appoints Henry de Beaumont as constable, and then in 1088, he makes him the first Earl of Warwick. Something I think is important to point out right now because this confused me so much. I studied a lot of like Warwick history over the years and the nobility, and also, when I was at the castle, this really confused me. There are multiple First Isle of Warwick's. Why? Because basically, every time they give up, either they die out or the king goes, you can't have this anymore and takes it back. It then like dies out for a while. And then when a new king or queen reopens the position and gives it to a friend again, because it's always just give it to a friend, they start from zero again. So I think there are three sets of Earls of Warwick one of them gets up to like the 16th and then one of them is literally just the first and second and then it starts again so it can be a bit confusing but we'll try and keep it as clear as possible okay yeah
0: let's just give that a go let
1: me know if you're confused ring the buzzer if you're confused
0: I, I will ring the buzzer okay
1: so got the first Earl of Warwick Henry de Beaumont briefly the castle leaves the control of the Beaumonts because of a little mishap with Robert II Earl of Warwick's wife um We'll talk about more of that a bit later because it's just a bit confusing.
0: Is that is that the one where she hands it away?
1: Yeah. She kind of just it, gives
0: it up, right?
1: Yeah, essentially. Um, we might as well just talk about it now. Basically, in 1153, she was tricked into believing her husband was dead. And surrendered control to the castle to the invading army of Henry of Anjou, who was later Henry II of England. And um, it all gets like returned later because they supported um, his mother Matilda. And we won't get too much into it because that's not as based around Warwick Castle. But yeah, basically, she just accidentally gives the castle away. It's like maybe some wishful thinking your husband's dead. Oh, really? <laughs> Oh, shame. Great. I don't have to do the cleaning of this place anymore. It's massive. <laughs> Can you imagine cleaning one of those places? Anyway, it highlights an interesting point that the title, Earl of Warwick, does not always connect to the ownership of Warwick Castle. We're going to try and cover both when they do separate out, but it gets, a little, again, more confusing points to just bear with. So during Henry II's reign, that Mott and Bailey is upgraded to a stone keep. And the castle stays in the Beaumont family until 1242. After the little mishap, and um, I love that you're calling it a mishap. It's accidentally- just a little mishap. Oh, it's just I'm really sorry. I just accidentally gave
0: away my castle. My bad. My bad, guys. My bad. Um, That's not the only time that happens during that period. By
1: the no, way. no, no, yeah, I know. They there are times where they think it's their army. It's great, and it's not. When you next mess up,
0: think about that.
1: Yeah. It's like, well, at least I didn't give away my entire family's property like yeah. so the castle stays in the Beaumont family until 1242 When we do get into some issues because of inheritance, there's no male heir. Obviously, that's a big deal back then, apparently. Um, The sixth earl, he has no son. His sister, Margaret, actually holds it for a while and the title in her own right. We have some issues with her needing to be married in the periods where she's not. In the periods between husbands, uh, the crown takes over. But when she dies again, childless, it goes to her cousin and then to her nephew, William de Beauchamp. Now, the Beauchamps, it stays in their family for seven generations. This is the first, like, big dynasty that's worth talking about. William, the first one, is military commander for Edward I. His son, Guy, is involved in the Piers-Gaveston crisis, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Love the... Piers-Gaveston is, like... His story is like a modern day um, soap opera. It's just... He always pops up with just ridiculous stories. It's the best... Some of the best stories from this period. Yeah. Um, So when they they then fall out of favour because of what goes down with Piers. And then his son... Thomas de Beauchamp emerges as one of the king's favoured commanders during the Hundred Years' War massive reconstruction of Warwick Castle comes with that because he makes so much money in France they really upgrade the defences of the castle between 1330 and 1360 Thomas de Beauchamp the 11th Earl massively upgrades the defences on the northeastern side by putting in a gatehouse a barbican which is like a fortified gateway and a tower on either side of the reconstructed wall named Caesar's Tower and Guy's Tower they're very cool the Watergate Tower also dates from this period so basically I mentioned a Barbican this is um, I love this basically it makes things it makes the castle harder to siege because you got the the gate to the castle. The, you've got the gatehouse and then you put another one on and you create a little section in between them that is like a funnel. So you sort of like... So when they pour hot Yeah, oil. yeah. So the, the baddies, they come through the first one but then the second door is stuck. So in the meantime, whilst they're stuck in between the two doors, you lock the front door and then you just like pour stuff on them and shoot them from the top like they have... Like um, holes in the ceiling that you can put your arrows, bows and arrows through, and like shoot them. They pour hot things over them. They pour feces and stuff over. Like it is disgusting. That's vile.
0: And all you need to do is try and convince the person inside that their partner's died. (laughs) We'll just hand over. <laughs> That's just
1: unnecessary, really. Isn't it? <laughs> um, That's just disgusting. Yeah, in 1449, Anne de Beauchamp dies. She's the 14th Countess, and with her, so does that line die. Now, Richard Neville, who is Anne de Beauchamp's uncle, Whoop. inherits the title through his wife. I'm guessing you know that name.
0: I do know uh, Richard Neville. I think he's the most exciting earl of Warwick. I
1: would agree. Um, He, For anyone who doesn't know, he is known as Warwick the Kingmaker because he is very involved with the Wars of the Roses. I don't want to go into massive detail about it, but I've studied it in extensive detail and absolutely love it. So I might get just stop me, Nick, if I I go on a bit too long. See, I really like it as well.
0: But it's all right. We'll just watch where listeners start to drop off.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Don't leave. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm... um, Basically, in a very, very simplified version, I know this is like massively simplifying it. Please don't get angry at me um, if you know the full story. If you're interested, we can do another episode on it at some point down the line because it is fascinating. Basically, we've got a king, Henry VI, his baby actually when he starts, but then also when he becomes of age and takes the crown. Um, he's just... Let's just say he's not suited to medieval kingship. Nope. People say he was much more focused on like religion and um, he also had quite serious mental health issues so he we think they, historians have now called it a type of schizophrenia, becomes completely um, unresponsive for long periods at a time. His his son is born during that period and he is completely unaware of
0: it. Yeah, so it's because his maternal grandfather was the king of France who believed he was made of glass. Exactly. So, so there's clearly
1: some stuff going on. Yeah, um, There's also bigger reasons. This, of course, is just a trigger. There's always lots of causes for something happening like this. Um, you've got the snowball effect of the power of the nobility is just massively growing. We're now coming more to the end of the Hundred Years' War and the nobility during that have gained so much power and money and land and factions are starting to form. Neville, who is the current Earl of Warwick, backs a Yorkist throne. So basically you've got different lines of the same royal family. The people on the throne, the Henrys, let's just call them because you've got like Henry V, Uh, the fourth, fifth and sixth Um, they become known as Lancastrians because they come from one brother and then they're like the line from one brother and then you've got the Yorkist line of the family and Neville decides to back the Yorkists and put them on the throne Um, he hopes that the king that he ends up getting on the throne which is Edward the Fourth, he hopes he's going to be a puppet and that he'll just basically be king for him doesn't quite happen basically Edward... uh, well, he's quite young, isn't he? He's like eighteen. He's very headstrong and um, falls in love. Supposedly very good looking. Suppose it. I mean, have you looked up pictures of him? Yeah, but have you looked up pictures from anyone in that period? Yeah, they are not good artists until like sixteenth century. Then you get like Holbein. They are not good artists. <laughs>
0: It it looks somewhat like what mum used to put on the fridge of ours. (laughs) And we didn't want it there.
1: But apparently he's really attractive. And Neville is creating a deal um, with France to, you know, strengthen. That's how you should govern, really. Like you marry to strengthen in these days your um, title and your power. So he's trying to arrange something with a French princess to help with the war in France. Ed just goes... Oh, this is awkward, mate, but I'm already married. And whilst he's on his little holiday, not literally, but whilst he's touring the country, he falls in love with Elizabeth Woodville. This is also a problem because her family aren't super high up and they've lost titles during the wars and things. She has a lot of family. She has so many sisters. And because they are now part of the royal family, they have all got to have really good marriages. They've all got to have really good well, titles. it's just good tactics,
0: right? If you marry into the royal family, you marry the rest of your family to the most important people.
1: Exactly. But this causes a problem for the Earl of Warwick because it means that Elizabeth's family are taking up all the key marriages and key titles and lands. Yeah, and he's
0: only got two daughters, right?
1: He needs good marriages for his daughters. So things start falling apart. I mean, he suddenly swaps sides and decides to claim that Edward is illegitimate, tries to put George on the throne. George is his brother. Yeah. <laughs> and then he fa- they fail, they flee. He then seeks refuge with Louis XI of France. So he swaps sides, um, puts Henry back on the throne, marries his daughter to Henry's son. I mean, as you can see, it's going backwards and forwards a lot. Um, I always think of here, the exa- the first thing I did when I started studying the Wars of the Roses is looked up the um, Horrible Histories Wars of the Roses introduction, you know, with the like weather guy that does the map and he's like, and that was the end of that. But then, and does like that whole thing. That is literally this story. It's really Maybe we should link to that in the notes. Yeah. Um, it's a great like little clip to introduce yourself to the Wars of the Roses if you're confused. Ed gets it back. George swaps back to Ed's side. So obviously the lands of Earl of Warwick get taken away, kind of understandably. And they go instead to Edward's brother, George, because he's now back on Ed's side, who has married Isabel Neville, who is the Earl of Warwick's daughter. Um, And that kind of makes it acceptable as well because it's still following their line. It's still in their family. George, unfortunately, makes the decision to have another go at the crown and uh, is later executed for that. Um, So the titles and lands then go to his son, but he's only two, so... It's a pretty
0: cool execution, though, actually.
1: It is very cool. Do you they, know well,
0: it's, when we say cool execution, that sounds horrible, I mean, out it? of all
1: the ways to be executed. It's,
0: it's, well, it's, it, theoretically, in mythology, he, uh, he's asked how he wants to die. and He's uh, given that privilege and, because he
1: is the king's brother.
0: And, and he requests to be drowned in a vat of Monsie wine. You know
1: what? I wouldn't die. Do you know why? drink it before i get time to drown do you know how big a vat is no no, no i'd do it okay i've just finished i've just graduated i'm student prepped let's
0: not I, let's not test this out
1: let's test it out later if you don't understand anything that's said in the rest of the episode we've both drunk literally a vat of wine <laughs> so the titles are under attainer the earldom and lands and everything go into the custody of the crown you've then obviously got Richard III comes to be king. You then obviously got Henry VII. George's son ends up in the tower and then is executed by Henry VII, um, who is trying to quash any remaining possible rebellions to secure his uh, reign after the Wars of the Roses. This is the first time the title starts again. Title vanishes with him. So they don't give it to someone else; they just let it die. So Edward's brother George, um, his son is Edward as well. Complicated. He is the seventeenth Earl of Warwick, and then it goes back to the crown. And when it ha- is handed out, Resets again, to one. It starts back to one. <laughs> we are now at the Tudors. That bit of story there took us through a hundred years, basically. Under the Tudors, because it vanishes, Henry the Seventh gets rid of the title. Warwick Castle goes into disrepair. We don't have an Earl of Warwick to look after it. So it gets kind of ignored. It's given to Dudley, but again, like he kind of ignores it. The title is next given out to the powerful statesman and soldier John Dudley, First Viscount Lyle. He's already been created the Viscount Lyle in right of his uh, mother who died, Elizabeth Grey. Not Elizabeth Woodville. Not Elizabeth Woodville. Please don't complicate this. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> she was married to basically, a grey. <laughs> everyone's called Edward, Henry, Elizabeth. Like, so it gets quite complicated. That's why it's actually easier to go by their number, like which number Earl they are. Not if they reset. Well true, they make this really complicated. He's later also becomes the Duke of Northumberland. And in January fifteen fifty-three Parliament passed the earldom to his eldest son John, who is the second earl, and then to the younger brother, because he dies with no kids, and then it goes extinct again. So we have three earls in that batch. So then we skip to sixteen oh four. So we skip actually through the Tudors, so it's only really relevant during Henry the Seventh and like Henry the Eighth's rule. Oh, no, and Elizabeth. Okay, ignore that. So we're then skipping to 1604. The rest of Elizabeth's reign is quite chill. Where it is granted by James I to the Grevels.
0: But they don't have the title yet, they right? They
1: don't have the title. They just have the house. And he literally turns it into a house instead of a castle. Falk Greville, He was ennobled as Baron Brooke in 1621. He spends over £20,000 in contemporary money on fixing up Warwick Castle because it's so in disrepair now that is 4 million pounds in today's currency. Wow. Yeah. Um so like
0: thanks for that gift.
1: Yeah, thanks for this gift that's like that's like giving you something that's like really broke. Like here's a laptop. Um it doesn't have a battery or a keyboard, it's just, it's a shell. just the shell. On the 1st of September 1628, he's murdered by a man we We're going to get a bit more into that later. Under Robert Greville, who's the second Baron Brooke, uh, Warwick Castle's defences are again enhanced. They are actually enhanced in preparation for an attack during the first English Civil War, because now we're into Civil War period. Robert Greville was a parliamentarian. You probably know a bit more about Civil War than I do, actually. Don't put that on me, but a little bit. Um, So you've got the parliamentarians – this is another civil war, great fun – parliamentarians who want to get rid of the king, Um, and you've got the royalists who want to keep the king. We'll keep it nice and basic. Um, And Greville is a parliamentarian, so the castle is a parliamentarian stronghold, and the royalists in 1642 lay siege to the castle – So, after the Battle of Edge Hill in 1642, um, which is the first pitched battle of the English Civil War, um, prisoners are actually held at Warwick Castle in the towers, which is quite cool. Now, we're going to continue with the Greville line in a little bit, but just to add some more complication to it, as I mentioned before, the title is not connected to the lands at the moment. So, the Greville's own Warwick Castle. But... The title isn't recreated until 1618 and it's given to Robert Rich, who is the 3rd Baron Rich. He's made Earl of Warwick in 1618, um, despite the fact that they don't own the castle. On the death of his eldest son, the Earl of Warwick then falls back into... Um... So the Riches, if you like, keep the title until 17. Fifty nine, which is when again the title becomes extinct. But that's so that's quite a good run. They held on to it for a while.
0: Yeah, it's a good, it's a good long time. They they held that. I, they didn't have the castle though. so what was happening with the castle?
1: Okay, so back to the castle. <laughs> we've we've got to uh, the second castle owner of the Greville family, haven't we? We're Robert Greville who dies in sixteen forty three. Taken over from that is um his son Francis Greville um it keeps in the Greville family actually for quite a while and they actually then get to reclaim the title as well which is nice in uh, 1759 when Francis Greville the 8th baron brook uh when he's got the tit- he's then given the title again and made earl of warwick in the peerage of great britain and it's still in their family today
0: well they dated the best then, didn't they, really? Absolutely. They won out.
1: So they actually keep it, they unite the title and the lands again until the castle is sold in nineteen seventy-eight. And then in two thousand seven, Madame Two Swords then buys the Blackstone Group. Um so it's now part of the Merlin Entertainment. So obviously we've got to mention what Warwick Castle is up to nowadays. It's really cool. It's run by Merlin and I mean they have really cool stuff. Absolutely great for kids. Great for adults as well I would just like to point out. The history is phenomenal but they also set it up um, in a very Madden Tussauds style. They've got scarily lifelike models everywhere. Where I kept being like, I kept nearly bumping into them and being like, oh sorry, sorry and then realising it wasn't a real person. I do that to
0: mannequins in shops.
1: (laughs) Exactly, yeah. Um, And they have like princess, that are are like hidden around the castle that the kids can go and ask questions to about what it's like Um, there are loads of awesome exhibitions they have jousting that tell the story of the Wars of the Roses and you have to pick a side do you want to be a Yorkist or a Lancastrian 100% Yorkist totally agree but up to you, up to you. We can't all be Yorkist guys. I went right at the end of my degree, so I've only been once, and I cannot believe I wasted three years working on my degree when I could have been at Warwick Castle. So absolutely go check out the website if you want to get a ticket and go, because it's really cool. When can they go? Can they go to Warwick Castle now? Well, because of lockdown, obviously, we're, everything is very socially distanced at the moment. It is open again. You should check Warwick Castle website um, for more about what Merlin is doing at the moment and the events they have on there. So now we've got up to the
0: present day and Merlin owns Warwick Castle. Can we um, can, can we get to the good stuff and can we talk about all the ghosts and skeletons?
1: Absolutely. We've because got tons there's to this. There's a lot, right? So now we've done the chronology, we're going to go back through the history again, basically. I'm going to tell you all the random but stuff. But the fun stuff. Yeah, we've got some like bad things that happen, some just crazy things that happen. It's good. We love a little bit of gossip, is basically what this section is.
0: Also, castles loved a good gossip
1: they did indeed so we've we've already talked about the wife of the second duke the first time around who accidentally uh, handed the castle over to Henry of oh no This stops making me laugh I don't think we can talk about that anymore okay so the next thing on the agenda is Guy de Beauchamp that's 12.98 to 13.15 he is involved with Piers Gavston as we mentioned who is a Gascon knight and probably Edward II's lover um definitely a very close friend but it's most likely that they were lovers well yeah
0: i think there's um, yeah, it's a lot about that isn't there
1: so guy de beauchamp he forms um one of the ordainers which is a group of earls they have a load of complaints about the king um, and they want to impose some more control and some more like roles in government of the nobility their main complaint is against peers who um, has the king's ear completely, just gets to do whatever he wants. The king does whatever he tells him to. Like, he has a lot of power.
0: I suppose that's also the way they're portraying it, right? Because they can't attack Edward. Absolutely. You have to attack someone
1: else. This is something you see loads with being like, we're not rebelling against you, we're rebelling against your advisors. So this may be a really warped perception of history. It might not be true at all that Piers had this much influence. Either way, this is what they claim. By 1312... Uh, the tension is so high between the king and this group of earls um, that Gaveston surrenders to the earls under the promise that, he, that his life will be spared.
0: Is it spared? Guess. Um,
1: <laughs> no. Guy, our little Earl of Warwick, um, takes it upon himself to seize the prisoner, bring him to Warwick Castle... And uh, give him a trial, air quotes, heavy air quotes there, um, because it is very much a perfunctory trial. I love I love how you talk about it, I like, take
0: initiative. It's like I took initiative to do this at work. Yeah, yeah it's
1: like writing a CV. He's, he's talking about... I'm really good at taking initiative and taking people prisoner. And what that means is I don't listen to anyone else. I just do what I want to do. So uh, this is in the original Great Hall of Work Castle. And they have this fake trial and Gavston is not allowed to speak to defend himself at all in the trial and he gets sentenced to death. Um, He's beheaded in the woods just outside Warwick. But also, as a bit of karma, the move causes political catastrophe for Guy because, you know, he's gone against the king after promising him and then kills his lover. It's not looking great for him. No. Um, He, on a completely separate note from the king being annoyed at him Guy mysteriously dies a couple of years later is he kidnapped no definitely not anything to do with the royal family of course (laughs) the family does get back into favor though as we talked in the chronology because Guy's son has the ear of Edward III after Edward II is killed so that's the end of that story but we have plenty more. Are you ready for another story?
0: I'd love another story.
1: So moving forwards to more Wars of the Roses, Hundred Years War kind of period. I know that's very vague. The dungeon gets a massive reputation in all of Europe as one of the most feared. It's so horrible. I actually had a dream about it the other day where i was like in it and got trapped no if you go it's really scary <laughs> but dungeons aren't very common in this period actually most of the time you just have like prisoners kept in rooms normal rooms and stuff but there are a few of these terrifying dungeons it gets the title of the oubliette from from the french in the hundred years War, forgotten which means forgotten yeah because it had a tiny section within the dungeon that is technically the oubliette where you literally would just about fit one person, no movement whatsoever. You'd be put down there and then you'd either be and you'd just literally be forgotten. They wouldn't feed you, they wouldn't anything and um it would just be like are you going to die of hunger and thirst first or are you going to die from mental insanity first? Like because you were literally just that does sound horrendous. You cannot move. You cannot see. It's pitch black. It's absolutely terrifying. Obviously, I haven't been down there, but like the dungeon in general is terrifying. You can also see all of the graffiti on the walls still that are like hundreds of years old. It's fascinating. Um, That does sound amazing, though.
0: I mean, horrible for these people.
1: Also to do with prisoners, but I assume not actually kept in the dungeon because of status reasons. Um, Edward IV is actually held there. If we go back to the story time from earlier, when the Earl of Warwick, Neville, who's known as the Kingmaker during the Wars of the Roses, is, you know, hopping backwards and forwards between kings that he wants in charge. When he's actually on Henry VI's side, he captures Edward IV during a battle and holds him at Warwick Castle for a while. He ends up having to let him go because it just like, it just doesn't work. It's unfeasible. It's a bit embarrassing, isn't it? It's yeah, it's a bit of a failure. We'll um, we'll actually talk about that a bit more in a few weeks, I believe, when our theme with our theme episode, topic. yeah. But also on prisons, um, there are also some very specific graffiti things worth mentioning because. Some of the scribbles from a secret room discovered um where prisoners during the civil war were clearly held includes a signature that's engraved into the wall by one Mr. Edward Disney. Huh. who was captured by the Parliamentarian army after the battle of Edgehill. Okay. And he is a ancestor of Walt Disney he's waiting execution in Guy's tower in the castle Um, this is only quite recently been discovered actually and obviously he's not killed and if he had been killed like he hadn't got kids at this point we would never have had we frozen would never have had frozen Moana we wouldn't have had Disney so he because of his like noble status he narrowly avoided being beheaded they let him go <laughs> they did let him go oh yeah dear. that was I, excellent
0: I'm so sorry
1: And I also mentioned Falk Greville, who was killed. He was murdered by his manservant, Ralph Hayward, um, who, after discovering... That he wasn't really in the will at all, despite like his lifetime of service to the family. Just decided to stab his master twice and then kill himself because Falk has is obviously so high up in the nobility, he has access to the best medicine of the time. So they get to look after him for a little while, but um, it is the best medicine of the time. So it's rubbish. So they actually try to like stuff him with like the innards of animals because they think it looks the most like the bits of gut that he lost. So yeah, he actually just dies a week later in excruciating pain, of course, because he's got like rotting animal stuff inside him. But um, it's said that that Watergate Tower is still haunted by his ghost. It's known as the Ghost Tower now. In the late 19th century, It becomes a party house and it's one of the best in the country. Daisy, who is the wife of the fifth Earl, she is the it girl of the day and she's part of the elite Marlborough group, which is led by the Prince of Wales, who is going to be the future Edward VII. Okay. Um, she sleeps with a lot of the people in this in this group. It's a massive party location after its restoration. It's involved with Hollywood. You've got all this drama. One of the Earls becomes a Hollywood actor. That's what he wants to pursue. So he's known as Warwick the filmmaker, which I think is quite good. Wow. Of the song Daisy Daisy Give Me Your Answer to Do is written about her. Um, she's the mistress of Prince of Wales Um, she's known as the babbling brook I wondered where the the brook thing made me think of babbling brook that's where it comes
0: from yeah she's called the babbling brook she's
1: the babbling brook when they start running out of money she tries to sell memoirs of sleeping with the heir to the throne um, which obviously isn't picked up at the time because who on earth is going to agree to publish that um, whilst like the king is still there and then was um, that
0: whilst he was king or was that still as Victoria was queen because you really wouldn't publish under there I
1: don't know when she started trying to sell it but I know that no one accepted it but as a historical piece it's a great chronicle because it actually is a great account of high society in in Edwardian time and about like socialism and about philanthropy and about like the ridiculous pressures of nobility where they just don't make any money. They they're forced to spend so much money on looking after the property, and it just makes absolutely no sense. There's not a single bit of financial sense to it. 1928, Charles Greville is the last earl to live there. He's Daisy's grandson, and um, he is the Duke of Hollywood. He's known as the oh, he's fi- Warwick
0: the filmmaker. Warwick
1: the filmmaker completely tanks. Um, he has to sell everything because he wants to be in Hollywood so badly. He's selling all of the armour, all of the artwork, like to try and keep it alive. As I say, Daisy's account is a great account of how like the entire system of nobility in this period just doesn't work. Like what's the point? Like just to keep up the facade and to keep their social status, they have to do all this money. They don't mm-hmm. have the money. In the end, it actually results in him having to sell the whole property, which is when he sells... To souls. Indeed. It's quite
0: a lot of scandal for that. We've got a lot of skeletons. It's a good one to kick off on. I'm glad we chose to start on on Warwick. So I guess now we've gone through all of that very, very juicy gossip. All the tea. Should we talk about influence next and talk about the influence these places had on the rest of the country?
1: I think definitely the final topic we really need to approach is like the importance of the castle and its place in history. Its role in society. Is it, you know, strategic and military based or is it grandeur? And that's something that absolutely changes throughout its history the position of the castle it's very much built for military reasons it's on an actual cliff it's bang in the middle of england which means you can get to wales you can get to the north you can get to the south but you can also hold the midlands from it really you see throughout the medieval and early modern period particularly it's continuously being like reinforced and strengthened for military reasons um richard iii actually does start renovations with a couple of new towers but that's left unfinished when he died and as we talk about the tudors don't really care about it that much but those towers are completely independent strongholds from the rest of the castle with their own like ovens and stuff so clearly it was being planned in case there was a mutiny so it's clearly like strategically important there's a 500 meter iron wall and you've also got it playing a massive role in like big battles and periods of the history so in the second baron's revolt they are loyal to the king but kenilworth is not and so Kenel the kenilworth castle peeps attack warwick castle in 1264 and ransom it and warwick castle was used as a stronghold for the people loyal to the king obviously henry the
0: second tries to take it
1: yeah it's clearly a big thing worth yeah. taking and whilst in the wars of the roses castles specifically aren't that important to the storyline i mean neville is practically running one half of it and whether he's uprising against edward or henry the sixth i mean now they've got an excellent exhibition there about wars of the roses and you know they make it seem like the castle is pretty important in the background of it whilst there might not have been like a battle there like well, this is also the wealth you derive from the state absolutely you've then got obviously as we've talked about it's really involved in the civil war yeah um, they've also got great defences they apparently have the world's most powerful catapult there awesome and um, called the trebuchet they've also got like the prisons that are very well known you've got
0: the very fact that it's got a french name the prison
1: it's famous
0: it's famous because of the hundred years war
1: you've then got like a turn in importance though because whilst late 14th century um we see the rise of like the barbican and the two towers all this stuff that we've talked about and it becomes really important then it goes more to like pageantry and events in victorian period and um, victorian albert visit it you have the 1895 powder ball with 400 costumes and Daisy dresses up as Mary Antoinette so like you see the purpose change you can actually see it quite a lot in the architecture in like the windows change you start with obviously like the teeny tiny slit windows that are used for archery to these massive gorgeous glass windows in the end and like it becomes very ostentatious But I don't know how much we can, how much that tells us about the castle as so much about things changing throughout history. But I do think it definitely shows that the castle is important because it keeps up to date with what key nobility need. Whatever nobility need at the time, whether they need to be military strongholds or whether they need to have a massive party house to like throw parties and be the centre of the elite, it fulfills that role. So it's clearly a really important castle. Yeah, and I mean... It's like the main Midlands castle, really, I would argue. Totts, Kenilworth. Um, well, yeah, w- well, we'll find out is, in the following few to weeks. To be fair, yeah.
0: And I also think it's... Um, yeah, the amount of castles that have fallen into... They're just now mounds, or they're not, you know... There's not really a lot to go on. And we now know, because we've researched a lot of them. Um, Warwick is amazing, to look at and it's very impressive and part of that might be because it's just been really well kept yeah
1: but but you could say that's because you know like a company now own it but only recently in like the last 30-40 years did they take did a company take over until then the title was survived like survived and I mean it still does but the title survived and that family kept it up to date. they literally crippled themselves looking after it that's how important it was I guess ultimately
0: I mean I I only really did earlier history so the uh, warwick the kingmaker he really did kind of
1: he really kind of of make or break a
0: lot of those things he obviously declined and then died but especially getting edward on the throne in the first place there's a
1: reason he's called the kingmaker it's because the saying goes that whoever he wanted on the throne got it well he's making the match
0: for the for the monarchy without him i i don't know how that would have gone
1: I definitely think that. And then you've got the fact that, you know, they're so important in terms of the Piers-Gaveston crisis and throughout these key families that we've talked about, which make up pretty much the majority of Warwick history, are massive players. So I think, I don't know about you, I would conclude that the people in Warwick Castle were massively influential and important people. Mm. And also the castle itself as a From structure where it is. Yeah. as where it is and how it's built is massively important in a load of key fights key issues in yeah. English history so I think by that nature there's literally no way we could argue it's not important
0: so that's the end of our first ever podcast episode together first ever episode of Podcast Podcasts thank you very much for listening if
1: you're still around Thanks. If you liked this episode, if you agree with us, if you disagree with us, let us know. You can get in touch with us by going to Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, wherever you like, podcasts. On our blog. On our blog, where we will have the show notes of this episode if you want to check out where we've got our research from or if you want to have a look at that um, video from Horrible Histories.
0: www.podcastles.co.uk
1: You can also email us, podcastlespodcast at at gmail.com. I forgot it for a second there. And uh, we will see you next week. For Kenilworth Castle. Bye. Bye.